Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. The IPO market seems to be red hot once again. In fact, this was the best start to the year for IPOs on record. Here to discuss that and more is Jackie Kelly, America's IPO markets leader at EY. Jackie, it's so great to have you here. Thank you. What is uh, sort of fueling the interest once again? Why are companies saying, you know what, going public's a pretty good idea? Well, you know, I think they've seen some other companies go out, and they've seen the success that comes with that. You know, IPOs today are a little different, though, than they were like 10 years ago. Before, it was all about raising growth capital, and some of these companies were less mature. Today, a lot of it's about liquidity for investors and for employees and attracting and retaining talent. So how is that changing uh, the IPO market? If the incentive to go public is not necessarily to raise cash, how is that changing the landscape? Well, it means that, you know, these companies tend to be a little bit more mature, and it's, it's sector-specific. I'd say, you know, you look at some of our life sciences companies, it's absolutely about getting the cash. But, you know, for our unicorn companies who are, you know, really flush have with a, cash, yeah, flush right? with cash, access to cash from all types of sources, you know, for them it's really more about the liquidity and starting that liquidity process. And now I, I know Spotify is going public in a non-traditional way, and instead of an IPO, they're having a, a direct market listing? Mm-hmm, exactly. And what does that mean for, for people hearing this and not understanding what that exactly means? Well, I think this goes back to the point that you were just making. You know, we've got unicorn companies out there that have access to cash. They don't need cash. And so what direct listings are, and they're actually quite common, you'll see them a lot with mature companies who do spins and things like that, is they take those shares and they list them directly on the stock exchange. They don't need to raise capital. They're giving actually just liquidity to existing stockholders. So uh, for companies that don't need cash, that is an option. And are they cutting out the middleman, those people who might have to underwrite the IPO? Well, you know, it, it's, you know, that, that's kind of the perception. I think there still are uh, underwriters and other sort of and, and advisors around that process. And oftentimes that listing happens and that's those are followed by other potential capital raises or other listings. So, you know, having those advisors around you is important, but it's a different process, right? You're not raising a base, bunch of funds and how that process works is, is going to be a little bit different. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens in the market. This will be exciting to watch. It is exciting because uh, since SNAP, that was the last unicorn to go public, we have others in the wings. Of course, Dropbox is going to be happening. Then we've got Spotify in early April. So do you see any headwinds right now for companies thinking about going public, sort of on the fence about it? What, what are they looking for? What are they not looking for? Right. So, you know, we've been working with and we t traditionally start working with companies everywhere, anywhere from a year to 24 months. And some of these unicorns actually a couple of years in advance because those companies are so dynamic and where they're trying to navigate through the growth as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I will say the backlog is pretty significant. Um, a lot of companies are interested in the IPO, but they also are dual tracking because there are so many options out there. Uh, again, the availability of private capital and then some of these non-traditional type uh, fundraising opportunities, uh, uh, such as special purpose acquisition companies, which are back in, in, in favor again. Uh, companies are exploring a lot of the different options, but they're starting early. Um, I think they've gotten the message loud and clear from the advisors out in the communities. So whether you're an IPO advisor like EY 
or you're on the side of the investment banks or the, uh, the lawyers and the others that are surrounding these companies. Everybody's advising these companies, get well prepared. The market can be a little bit volatile, like we see right now. And so you want to be best prepared to access the market and have optionality as to when you list. Has volatility kept some companies on the sidelines? Is that a key component to going public or not? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it definitely impacts exactly you know, fine nuance around the timing, but I don't think it's stopping anybody from getting into the markets. I think we're kind of used to it. We've been kind of operating in a sort of a stop-start no. market now for a few years. So I don't think there's any, you know, people aren't afraid of that. I think it's other issues that come into play that make you decide whether or not, you know, an IPO is right for you. And what are those, some of those other issues? I mean, we have a lot going on in Washington right now. A possible trade war is looming between the U.S. and China. W might that have companies take pause? You know, there are a lot of, of, of changes either that have recently happened, like tax reform, or, you know, we've got accounting changes happening, too, that are, that are surrounding everyone. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, right, possible policy changes and other things. And all these weigh into a company trying to be predictable. The number one thing a company has to do when they go public is they have to they have to hit their numbers. And so you've got to have a real, I'd like to say for a better, better name, well-oiled machine operating behind the scenes to help you not only deliver accurate financial information, but forecast and, and be able to hit your growth goals. And in order to do that, you have to be running a predictable business. And when lots of things are changing or could change mm -hmm. how your business operates, it does make you, you know, take a pause sometimes and try to assess that and figure out, is this something I need to be aware of? Is this something that I have to communicate about? Or is this something where, you know, it's good to know about, but I can proceed forward with my normal plans? What are some of the top performing um, sectors, I, I guess, who are, who are looking to go public? Right. So I think, you know, our hottest sectors right now, well, I, I will say sort of our traditional sectors are all pretty hot right now. But, you know, technology is back in vogue. You know, we, it was a little slow for a while. Um, healthcare continues to be very active, although I'd say those, some of those deal sizes have really come down. But healthcare is still uh, grabbing the funds while available, and many of them are, that is the growth capital for them. Um, energy is back. That, you know, obviously is following along with, with oil prices and how those move. Um, consumer products has been sort of a steady eddy and always needs access uh, to capital, a number of the companies in that sector. And then financial services, I'd say, um, as well, and especially fintech. I'd say that sort of the, um, the, the, the area that sort of crosses all sectors is technology now. It used to be technology sat in its own bucket, but now if you are tech-enabled, that is a really good place to be. You don't have to sort of spin yourself as a tech company. You can be proud to say, hey, I'm real estate. And I'm tech-enabled. I'm healthcare, and I'm tech-enabled. Mm -hmm. By the way, real estate is back also uh, and has raised quite a bit of capital. What are you seeing? How are these companies um, using the money that they raise from, from going public? You know, so I, it's funny. I was just looking at that even for this first quarter. I mean, most of them are saying it's for operating. Uh, purposes, working capital, R&D, uh, not as much for, and, and I thought I'd see a little bit more of this for acquisitions, which I thought maybe with tax reform and some of that cash inflow, we're really expecting sure. a lot of cor corporates to be active in M&A. <laughs> but for the IPO companies, at least that we've seen this first quarter, it's operations and working capital principally. Now, we're seeing an influx of foreign companies filed here to go public on U.S. exchanges. Is China out in the lead there? Ch yeah, China has been in the lead now for a little while. Um, you know, definitely uh, the U.S. markets are attractive to them. Uh, you know, the whether it's technology, media and entertainment, some of those sectors, I think they see the valuations here. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that, you know, the China stock exchanges, um, there is a significant backlog. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the growth of the nation and how many companies are trying to be listed there. But, you know, there are companies from China 
is saying, you know, is the U.S. the best place to list? Is that where I'm going to, uh, you know, get the value I'm looking for and, and the capital that I need to continue to grow my business and have access to that customer base? I mean, that's one of the really important reasons companies cross list and, and choose another, you know, another stock exchange in the world is because they want to get closer to that customer in that market. What about these tariffs now that we could be imposing upon China? Might that change the equation for some companies looking to list here? You know, it, it's interesting. And, you know, obviously tariffs are, it sounds like it could be both ways on this. And and companies, frankly, you know, there's 10% of the companies every year that go to list on a stock exchange that explore a cross-border listing. Now, the U.S. has, uh, this year, for instance, um, already almost a third of our of the companies that have listed on the U.S. stock exchanges have come from international locations. That's a large amount. That is huge. That's probably the largest uh, I've seen, at least at, at a quarterly level, in a, you know, that I've ever seen, actually. I mean, typically, again, if the average is 10% or less, and we're looking at 30%, yes. I mean, this is a really, really high number. Um, I think that's a reflection of the stability in the markets overall. Um, and, and, you know, again, the valuations are equity markets that are all-time highs, right? So, but, yeah, and I'm sure... I'm sure it'll change. But, you know, that said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a good question. I think we'll have to see kind of how all this plays out. You know, another uh, IPO that, that President Trump actually was vocal about wanting to come to the U.S. was Aramco, the Saudi oil uh, deal. This would be the largest IPO ever valued at something like $2 trillion. And now we're getting word that they may just list locally and not outside the country. How big a loss is that to possibly the U.S. or to the overall IPO market? Um, I mean, we're we're always excited about a listing, and some of these very high-profile IPOs obviously have the option to list in many different markets. And typically, what will happen is, again, as you're trying to get close to your customers and access capital, it is not uncommon that these uh, companies will list either at the same time or over a period of time multiple different exchanges. So, I, you know, I don't think we should um, worry too much about sort of ultimately what the decision is there. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement, and 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 I would say there are a number of, of stock exchanges. Any of the major stock exchanges around the world would be uh, excited to have a, have a large company list on their exchange. What about the outlook? Now, Q2, you're saying, is, is looking to be a very strong quarter for IPOs. But overall, do you see that trend continuing this year and into next? You know, so we it used to be, at least when, you know, I was tracking this probably 10 years ago, um, you know, that fourth quarter was kind of our big quarter. Everybody ramped up post-Labor Day. And, you know, but, you know, over the last few years, it seems like second quarter has just really become more popular. And I think a lot of companies are coming off of year-end earnings and excited to get started, uh, you know, with 12, 31 years, getting into the IPO markets in mid to late March, April, May, June. And so it's really, it's become a popular time of the year. The other thing is that elections, again, are in the fourth quarter. And to the extent that election uh, excitement is happening uh, and it, and it has been exciting the last last few elections you know whether it's you know the um, you know uh, the normal election or the midterms mm-hmm. um, you know that that does play into fourth quarter so it just seems you know and why does that play into the fourth quarter is it because whoever wins may be shaping legislation in in Washington that could affect these companies is it that they feel the attention is not on them but on midterm elections yeah I think it's distraction I think it's uncertainty I think people spend more time concerned about what might happen that they're afraid to kind of make a move and I think uh, you know investors decide to refocus and, and on uh, their existing portfolios rather than take a risk and a lot of people 
think, and, and, and understandably, that you know, IPOs are one of the riskiest asset classes, N not to say that they aren't probably the best performers. Uh, you know, typically, we've seen year after year, I should say, that um, IPOs outperform the markets, and sometimes quite a bit. So, but still, you know, those companies have not been in the market before. A third of those companies oftentimes miss their first quarter. That's kind of the average trend. You know, it's for a variety of reasons, some little, some some bigger. But, um, you know, investors want, again, you know, um, predictability, security and stuff. And that's not always in that class. We have a number of unicorns that are waiting in the wings, or at least we hope. Uh, Airbnb, Uber. I would imagine that the IPOs for Dropbox and Spotify are sort of litmus tests for these companies to see if they, too, want to go in and test the waters. You know, it, it's interesting. So, you know, we kind of pull all these uh, companies together. You know, I like to think of them as each of them is very, very unique. We do put them in the category of, you know, someone's created this bucket of unicorns and described as anything with market caps over a billion dollars, right? Um, and, you know, in the private markets. And, uh, but if you look at each of these companies, they're so unique and you have to evaluate each one independently. Each one's gonna, you know, we'd love to see them all go out. Everybody's like, how come they haven't all gone out? And some of these companies now are like 10 years old, you know. And why, and why is that? Because they don't need the cash? Uh, they don't need the cash. And frankly, they're probably not ready. I mean, um, you know, even though they say, you know, they're 10 years old, if you don't, if you're not running a predictable business, if you have management leadership changes happening, if you, if you, if you have scandals like an Uber, which has had its share, you know, if you have, uh, you're having trouble forecasting and your growth plans are uncertain, that's not the right time to come to the IPO market. So you need to get that stuff tightened up and then come to the markets, take your time. I'm a big fan. Take that time. Take that extra time. We want to see these companies come to the market when they're ready and perform well. Okay. Um, what about folks who hear that a company is going public and they say, oh, I want to get in on that? You know, how can I buy shares in that stock on the first day it starts to trade? Can you explain for the layperson why it is almost impossible to get in on the ground level of a new stock offering? Well, you know, it, it's complicated, obviously. And, um, you know, if you talk to institutional investors, they're not getting in either. So just, you know, the layman can feel rest assured they're not, they're not really the only ones missing out. I mean, Today, you know, most companies that are selling uh, equity in their in their companies, you know, they're selling 10 to 15 percent on the first round. It's not really a lot. And that 10 to 15 percent is being parsed out to a group of investors that have to hold like a decent sized share of funds, too, because um, you want that stability. If you're a company and you're listing your stock, you want a stable group of investors that are going to weather the storm and as I just said, like a third of companies, you know, they could even be off to a rocky start. So you don't want everybody that's that's in there saying, oh, my gosh, you know, things are moving. Things aren't as planned. I'm going to, like, start moving my shares around. You want a stable group of investors. And so that's, you know, as these uh, books are being built, essentially, uh, of of investors coming out, out of the, the gates, they're looking at a very diverse portfolio, but it is limited. It really mm -hmm. is limited. So you are going to probably get in the second, second and third and, and other rounds, and obviously when the, the active trading starts happening. But there's plenty of upside with these great growth companies, really. And I don't think anyone should be concerned that, hey, you're not there on day one. And I think we've even seen great opportunities to buy a month later. <laughs> when okay. sometimes when, it, when some the of these pop and drops, settled, right? some, some of the pops and drops happen, you know, grab it then. So, you know, I think there's there's opportunities for everybody. What what IPO um, sector will say are you most excited about going forward? 
You know, it, it's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, always a fun, fun sector to follow is the tech sector because there's so much innovation going on. And it's kind of the start of things to come across multiple sectors. So, you know, it's fun to watch, you know, what's going to happen with blockchain, with artificial intelligence. This Everyone thought this was going to, you know, explode, but it's kind of, you know, come out at a slower pace. But I think we're going to start to see more of those. Those companies are starting to mature. We're seeing more uh, private funding at the venture and other levels flowing into that. And when venture comes in, you know that you're likely going to have an IPO on the other side for a lot of these companies at the end of the day. They love IPOs, venture capitalists. All right. We'll see if the IPO market can hold on to this positive momentum for the rest of 2018. And Jackie Kelly of EY, I want to thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.